Hey, good morning. Welcome home. I'm so glad you're here, and I am. Okay, Exodus chapter 20. If you have your Bibles, please open them there. Exodus chapter 20. If you don't have a Bible, check under one of the seats in front of you. If, uh, if you have your tablet or your um, iPhone with uh, the free version Bible app, boot that up, quiet it down there. Uh, the live event is there for you. If you're not familiar with the Bible, the book of Exodus is the second book. So it's going to be pretty close to the left. And we're looking for chapter 20. Some of you are saying, I thought this was a study of Colossians. What are you talking about? Exodus. Well, we're rolling old school to start off this morning. So we're going to start in Exodus. And we're going to read our way all the way through to Colossians. So make yourselves comfortable. Um, no, we're not. The title of this message is Loving an Idea and Not a Person. And we're talking about authentic relationships and how regardless of whether we're followers of Jesus Christ or not, it doesn't really matter. We all crave, want, and need authentic relationships. But we keep coming up against the truth that uh, authentic, real relationships are not easy to find, whether we're talking about spouses or children or parents or friends or coworkers or siblings. It's just we find that authentic, real, deep love relationships are very, very rare. And we're going to talk this morning about one of the key reasons that may be and why we may be sabotaging some very, very important relationships because of one thing. And here is that one thing. It's easier. Read this with me. It's easier to love an idea than a real person. What do we mean by that? Well, let's take a couple of minutes and and kind of unpack that. It's easier to love an idea than a real person. Some of you learned this, whether you would call it this or not, at a very young age when we were kids. In our first love relationships with our parents, whether your parents loved you as you are or as you were, or loved some idea of you, some idea of you that they wished that you were, some version of you that they wished you'd turn out more like, right? I wish you could do better at school. Why can't you be a better athlete? Why can't you look more like this? Why can't you be more like me or your brother or your sister or the neighbor's kids? Why? Why? And so some of us have grown up into adulthood with a deep unhealed wound of never having been loved when we were children for who we are, not for what our parents hoped we'd be. If any of those statements ring true, then that might be part of where you're coming from this morning. Because really, if we we unpack that, the relationship they had was with somebody who didn't exist And so you didn't receive that love and that love relationship didn't really exist because they were loving an idea rather than you as a person. And and, and thankfully, not every one of you can relate to that because some of you, praise God, grew up in homes where there was authentic love given and received and you were loved as the person you are, not as uh, anything or anyone else. But that just means typically that you and I or whoever is in there had to learn that another way. Maybe it's our friends, right? We have friends who think of us in a certain way. And so we will act in that way when we're with them so that we don't lose their love. 
you know? So we'll kind of chameleon. We got this group of friends who um, think we're this and we do that. And one that thinks we're that and we'll do that. And then we got our church folks and we'll do that. We become chameleons because we're afraid to lose that lover. Or maybe it's in a romantic relationship, right? We know that that person loves some other version, some other, and we try to mold ourselves or we get crushed under those expectations. Maybe it looks like this. There's a couple that I know and love very deeply. And they are both attorneys. And they have been for many years. And they're now middle-aged and their kids are starting to leave home. And uh, very successful. They'd made a pile of money. And um, in the wife, uh, God was just pressing on her heart that this is a new season, a new chapter in her life. And she desperately wanted to be a nurse. She just wanted to, to care for people that way instead of the way she had done so as an attorney and take care of people that way. But she really felt that the call to go to nursing school and her husband uh, opposed that kind of passive aggressively, right? But she started nursing school and then the resistance got less passive and more aggressive. Um, and he said, I'm not going to allow you to become a nurse because I married an attorney. I didn't marry a nurse. And what I would suggest to you is maybe, quite possibly, He was in love with an idea of this woman more than he was with this woman as God had made her and was shaping her to be. And so this can happen in a lot of ways. And if we think about like marital infidelity, isn't this kind of part of the seed of that for anyone who would want to to cheat? Don't don't they find it easier to love the idea I'm not speaking in personal experience here, so don't, don't go there. They, they love the idea of this other person more than their spouse because, after all, it's easier to love an idea than it is a person, right? But you don't know. You don't know this other person. You don't know that she sings Taylor Swift songs to her plants every day when you're trying to watch SportsCenter. You don't know. That he eats food off the floor. We're not talking about a five-second rule. For him, it's a five-day rule. Yeah. You, right, you're scaring me, buddy. I love you, but you're scaring me. You don't know that she breaks down in tears every time she sees somebody eat beef. It's going to be a long day for you. You don't know. But an idea is easier to love than a person. So I would say this. That you and I have very little control over how other people love us. The best that we can do is to share with them gently and lovingly and repeatedly who we are in our hearts. Who God has made us to be. Who is making us to be. and, And hope that they hear that they hear. But what we have full control over is how we love other people. How we love other people. And we ask ourselves, am I loving this person or am I loving an idea of what I wish this person could be? Now, um, as you do that, you need to understand this. Everybody kind of dial in. We are not talking about you being cool with their sin. Okay? Not talking about that. Yeah, he beats me, but I guess he'll always beat me and I just have to accept that. No, you don't. I'm not talking about being okay and accepting 
or approving of somebody's sin. I'm talking about themselves, who they are. That's what I'm talking about. It's different. And if you and I, and I think we all struggle with this in in different relationships, if you and I will ask ourselves, do I love the idea of this person or do I love this person? And and, and I'm going to challenge you later to ask them, to ask them. If we find that we are, you know what is at the root of that? Selfishness. It's selfish. It's self-centered. You be who I want you to be so that I can love you better. You be the way I dream of you being. You know, it's, it's easy for me to be like Brad Pitt. So, so Shree's lucky. But not all of you can be. You be the way I want you to be so I can love you better. It's selfish. It's selfish. Because what it says is, I'm the most important person in this relationship. I love me more than I love you. So you be what I love so I can love you. That's really what we're saying. And so when it comes down to it, if we don't love that other person um, as they are, we only love an idea, then that love does not exist. Here's my suggestion. Here's my advice. This is not scriptural. This is my advice. If you find you are just friends or you are in a romantic relationship and you can't have an authentic relationship and love that other person for who they are, either fix that or get out and get in a relationship where you can love somebody and something that actually exists. If you are married, that advice is not for you. That advice, do this, not for you. Okay, I saw some of you raising your hands. No. What it is, is to communicate, to share. You got to share deeply who you are in your heart. And you got to listen. You got to listen and you got to hear. Okay? And we have to repent of the idea. We have to repent of the idea that we love more than the person. And then we ask Jesus to love this other person through us. Through us. Okay. That was the longest intro in the history of sermons. And here we go. Um, This is the part that's going to be difficult for some of you. But I love you, so I'm going to share it. Um, If we do want authentic relationships, we have to make sure uh, that we have an authentic relationship with the one who invented authenticity. The one who... um, created relationship and and that is God and when we say it's easier to love an idea than a real person some of us some of us have done that to God right here some of us do that in fact I would say if we're honest all of us have done that to some extent Exodus chapter 20 I want to Thank Pastor Tim Keller who connected these two truths, these two scriptures for me. Um, Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 4. This is the 10 big ones, right? The 10 commandments. This is number two that we're looking at. And God says this. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or the earth beneath. Or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. 
For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Okay, so here we see something that is very, very, very important to God. That we love him, that we know him, that we worship him as he is. And not as an idea of how we'd like him to be. And, and some people are sitting out there going, hey, this was one of the commandments that I thought I aced. You know, because I don't got stuff up on my walls. I got, I, I hijack posters from the dumpster. That's what I got. I am not carving anything. I am not making a golden calf like those people when Moses trotted down the mountain and gave this commandment. I am not doing that. Look, man, I got a D minus in art. I am not painting anything. I am not sculpting anything. The only thing I'm carving is a steak. I, I got this commandment. I got this. Well, I hate to lower our grade on the 10, um, but wouldn't you agree? Uh, particularly if you're an art person, and I know we got some great artists here, but even if you're not, every carved image, every painting, every sculpture, every statue, any created thing started as an idea. In the artist's mind, in the person's mind, right? So if you take away the carving, if you take away the marble, if you take away the wood and the paints, what are you left with? An, an idea of who God is, whether you sculpt it or paint it or carve it or not. So some of you are still thinking, uh, I don't think God is slipper. I don't think... I don't think he's a dolphin. You know, that's way old. Okay, if you're over fifty, you got that. But uh, I don't. I don't think he's an animal. I, I don't. Well, if we have ever made God to be like we want him to be, rather than as he is, then we've done the same thing. And what God is saying here is even if you think you're loving me, even if you think you're worshiping me, make real sure that it's the real me that you're really worshiping. Because even though it's easier to love an idea than a person, don't you dare do that with me. Because I love you too much for it. And if, if you're not in an authentic relationship with me, I can't pour out the blessing that I want you to have. I can't lead you into authentic relationship with other men and women. I can't lead you into other re- authentic relationship. Because you don't have the thar- source of authenticity. You don't have the source of relationship. But I want to. So get this right. So much hinges on that. And, and, and when we see, now we're going to go. We're going to look at Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, and you'll see how these two are are connected. I'm going to pick it up in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Who is he? Who are we talking about? Come on, come on, guys. Who are we talking about? Yes, Jesus. You know, like you shouldn't be embarrassed to say Jesus in church. I know, like if you have to say it out of work, it's Jesus. No, but you know, it's Jesus. Yeah, always guess Jesus. It's good. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. Okay, the image means the exact, the only. The exact, the only. Jesus is the exact, the only image of the invisible God. God created us to be visual. God created us to be imaginative. God knew that we would need an image, so God provides the image of himself, and that is 
Jesus. That is Jesus. The exact image right there. He says, oh, I blew. Uh, for he is the firstborn of all creation. Now, uh, we just have to do something with that because it sounds like Jesus was born like December 24th. There was no Jesus. December 25th, there is Jesus. No, Jesus is eternal in both directions. Okay. Always was, always will be one in essence with the father and the spirit. Um, what firstborn of all creation means, and the people in this time would have understood that, that the firstborn wasn't just a, a birth order thing. It was the son, not to be sexist, but in this time, if you were a woman, you couldn't inherit anything, okay? Um, I'm not saying that's right. But the firstborn was the one who owned, who had ownership of and control over all that the father had. Okay, so that's the image that we have here. He is the firstborn. He is over all creation. For by Jesus, all things were created, all things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. That's a big one. And we'll be getting back to that in a minute. So the, we see the, the, exact image of God. We see the bigness of God. We see the love of God, the creative power of God, the supremacy of God all in Jesus Christ. And the problem that the church in Colossae was having that Paul was writing in part to address, and we'll come across this over and over in this book, is something called syncretism, which is like syncopation, okay? Syncing things together that do not belong together. So what the, what the church in Colossae would do is like they had, it was a melting pot. They had a lot of different faiths represented and, and they would do the, the uh, salad bar of faith, right? So I'm a Christian. I know Jesus. So I want to, I want two dollops of Jesus, you know? And, but the way these people do relationship of a different faith, that, that looks cool. I'm going to take some of that. And the way this guy does prayer, although he doesn't pray to my God. I'm going to do that. And they would make for themselves a, a salad bar, a synced religion, okay? By borrowing and taking from whatever looked good. And so what they found is that that did not lead to an authentic relationship with God. They were making God into an idea rather than uh, loving the God who is and has revealed himself as Jesus in the scriptures. And we're going to keep going back to that. So there are four ways that we continue to get this twisted up and wrong. And, and I want to kind of point them out to you. We're going to walk through that. The first uh, is coexist. Okay. Now I'm not going to like smash your bumper if you've got this on there. Um, and, and, and it's important to know that we are not hammering on people of other faiths. In fact, I would say that if we do not love people who believe differently than we do more than the people who believe the same as they do, um, we don't have a leg to stand on when we tell them about our God who loves us so much to sacrifice for. So, um, what I'm saying with coexist is, um, what I wish it said, what I wish it meant is people of all faiths should be able to coexist uh, in respect and love. They should be able to do that. What, uh, what the philosophy of coexistence means is all truth claims, all world religions um, should be embraced. Okay? Should be embraced. Not respected. Shared. 
So let's take a look at world religions. Don't all major religions all teach basically the same thing? Be a good person, love other people? No. No, they don't. And here's the thing, neither does Christianity. Okay, so let's take a 30,000 um, foot, I'm going to try to make this sound of speed, uh, speed of sound uh, quick. Um, Hindus, Hindus believe in karma, right? There's a seed, a kernel of truth in that, right? That it, what you do comes back to you, whether that be good, whether that be bad. The kernel of truth is this. The Bible says what you, you shall reap what you sow, right? But, but Hindus would believe that that's all you got is what you put out. Is that karma, right? But the gospel, but Jesus said on the cross, get this, I absorbed all your bad karma and I give to you, I gift to you all my good karma, if he would use such a word. Okay, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not supporting that. I'm just blending those two so you can see the difference. Also, the Hindus believe in reincarnation. Now, reincarnation, everybody basically knows that you keep coming back over and over and over again until you get it right. And I guess, you know, we live here in Gunnison, all the cattle here that have to freeze through the winter, they were very bad people, okay? Right, so if you live a very good life, maybe next time you come back as an eagle. If you live a very lousy life, maybe next time you come back as Justin Bieber, right? So you want to get it right. But the gospel, what Jesus is saying is I came for you and live the only perfect, holy, beautiful life. And guess what? I'm crediting, crediting that to your account. So when my father looks at you, he sees my obedience, my faithfulness, my joy. And he relates to you as he relates to me by gift, by gift. So there's no need to come back again. The Bible says that it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. But if you're in Christ, there is no judgment. It's like come home where you've always been. Okay, so in Islam, one of the many prophets, Jesus is recognized as one of the many prophets. But Muhammad is the main prophet. So you got to listen to Muhammad. And basically, the way to earn God's favor is you got to do religious observances and you have to live in a certain way to gain God's favor or God will get you. The gospel is this. If you have lived in a way that offends me and yet you run to me for mercy, I will get you, Jesus says, but not in the way that you think. I will not get you as to beat you. I have already taken the beating. I will get you as in I get to love you and be with you now and for eternity. That's a big difference. If we have friends who are Buddhists, they do not actually believe in a Godhead. They believe there are Buddha-like qualities that you and I can cultivate, can develop. And a lot of these things are very positive things. But what they would tell you is, and I, is that you have to save yourself. No one else can and no one else will. And what Jesus says in the gospel is this. You can't save yourself you are my beloved hot mess. You are my beloved train wreck. And I am coming to rescue you. Because the longer you live, the more you will know. You can't rescue yourself. But don't worry. I'm here. That's my job. Release, surrender, come. I'm here. So, bottom line. Major, we just covered like 90 plus percent of the world's population, okay? In terms of what they believe about God. 
every major world religion except Christianity will tell you basically this. To appease a God, to gain his favor or her favor or its favor, you must live a certain way. You must measure up to God. As you reach for, as you scrape for, as you earn, it is all on you. So you better be good for goodness sake. And some people believe that that's what Christianity is about. And it is the polar opposite. What every other world religion says is it's all on you. What Christianity says is we have all lived in ways that offend and destroy and harm God and ourselves and others. And when we realize that God loves us anyway and we run to him, we don't have to measure up to God. He reaches down to us that Jesus, God with skin on, came to be with us, to reach us, to live the life we couldn't live, to take the punishment we deserve, to rise again so he could rise again in us so that we could always be there with him. Get this, while every other world religion says it's all on you, Christianity says it's all on Jesus. Your job is to recognize it, surrender to it, and celebrate it. It's completely different. So one of the ways is coexistence. And I just want you to see that those belief systems can't coexist in the same person because they're not the same. And they don't basically teach the same thing. Number two, two way to mess this up is, I could just look up there, universal. Or, or universalist, you know? And, and I have friends that will tell me, like, when I'm sick, well, I'm going to send out some really positive energy to the universe for you. And I'm not knocking. I am mocking them, but, but in love. Um, but look, look, I, I, I love that as an idea. I love that as a sentiment. But the, but the universe can't hear you. And, and we saw that in Colossians, that he created all these things. The universe is not a who, it's a what. It's an it. God is a who. God is a who. God is a person. God is a personal God. This is the message of Christmas. This is the message of this scripture we're looking at. Jesus, a person, a person with the fullness of the Godhead, fully God, fully man, came to show us that God is a personal God. God is a personal God. And so we can't say that he is all gods. He is the universe. Whatever you want him to be, as long as you're sincere, that's, that's beautiful. He is everything. Whatever you call on, whatever you want. See, that's Sri back there. The really hot mama. No, no, like she's pretty. She's really pretty. To the extent that you think that when she met me, she must have thought I had money or something, right? <laughs> no, but I, I, I married her. Oh, I married her, all right. But... Let's, you let me know how this would fly because we don't use that universalist um, way of thinking about anything. So I marry Cherie and she's beautiful. So I say, Cherie, you are so beautiful. In fact, you are part of the universal beauty. You are the universal beauty that includes all women who are beautiful. You see where I'm going with this? 
So if I am attracted to, if I lust for, if I go after another beautiful woman who is part of this universal beauty of which Cherie is, is the personification, am I not then just loving Cherie? Is that going to fly at home? No! I should be ground up and thrown out on the front lawn. Why? Because Cherie is a person. She is a distinct person that I have committed my mind and my body and my heart and my affections to and all my longing on, on earth um, that is not for Christ is, 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 is to pour out for my wife, right? And to the degree that I share that with any other woman, um, I'm unfaithful. You track with that? If, if you're still into, well, I think God is different and it doesn't really matter what we call him. He just receives all prayers and he's happy that we're praying and not not praying. So, um, okay, if you're married, when you're being passionate with your spouse, if you're not married and you do whatever you do, you make an hour or you kiss, but you, you don't let it get out of hand or, or in hand as the case. Look, you know what you do. You know what you shouldn't do. But when you're doing that thing, you're, you're, you're being you're smoochy, um, I'm an, I'm an older nerd. I know this is, I, I know this is hard to listen to, but when you're in that moment, you call him, you call her by somebody else's name. I don't want to be around when that happens. Look, look, I don't want to be around when any of your stuff happens, but I don't want it particularly then. Okay. If we get this in human relationships, why do we not get this with God? Who is personal? Who is personal? And he will not change that for anyone. The third is pseudo-enlightened. I say pseudo because it is pseudo. It's not really enlightened. But it sounds something like this. I could never believe in a God who fills in the blank. Fill in the blank. Could be I could never believe in a God who allows suffering. I could never believe in a God who allows kids to be born into poverty or with birth defects or whatever it is. And these are often very good. But I could never believe in a God who does this. Or I could never believe in a God who doesn't let people come to him just any way that they want. All roads don't lead to him. So basically you're saying that you can't believe in a God that doesn't agree with you. You can't believe in a God who is bigger, that, who can take all the wounds and all the brokenness that we have brought into the world, that we have done. And weave that together in Christ for his beauty and his glory. If it's too big for you to understand, you can't believe in it. That somehow, somehow, everything, all the suffering, all the injustice, in Christ, in eternity, he's going to make right. That when he restores you and me and all of creation to the way it was, he can't do that. Well, maybe I just don't believe in a God who would say to another sincere person that the way they're living, the way they're acting, the way they're talking is wrong. I don't believe in a God who would say that to a sincere person. So basically you're saying that you can't believe in a God who wouldn't let everybody else be their own God. And you wouldn't believe in a God who would tell people they're living or talking or behaving wrong, but you're enlightened, so you would tell God that he's wrong. You really want to go down that road? I'm just saying the other faith ideas that we have, 
Let's unpack them with the same scrutiny that we unpack Christianity. You're going to find just a lot of packing. In Christianity, you're going to find Jesus. Okay, so here, um, just so that you um, good Christians don't think we're off the hook, um, here are the twisted ways that we as Christians uh, create a golden calf idol idea in our mind that we'd rather worship than the real Jesus. Here it is. Um, loving an idea rather than Jesus. Go back to our first, uh, the scripture in Colossians. Jesus is the image of the invisible God, firstborn of all creation. For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or, of, or authorities. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. You say, well, I'm still good, you know. I believe that Jesus is God. I believe that. I believe that. I believe in Jesus. Here's the question. Which Jesus do you believe in? The Jesus who is revealed in the scriptures or the Jesus that you have made in your own image in your mind and put into a box? Whether that's a legalistic box that's hard on people and harsh and self-righteous or whether it's a licentious box where we can do anything we want because Jesus is going to be cool with us because that's what he said which is, no, he didn't. Is it a box that you have put Jesus in because an idea is easier to love than a person? Let's see what else this could look like. Somebody gets an idea of Jesus who just happens to be a a lot like they are. A lot like they are. So they, if you move to a new city or um, even within this, you're up, this city, you search out a church that preaches and teaches and presents the Jesus that you have in your mind that is easiest for you to believe in, who loves the things you love and hates the people you hate, right? Because we have an idea and Jesus tends to look a lot like us. Um, Some of us would rather love an idea of Jesus Um, than the real thing. And this is why for some of us, faith has never worked. Um, We keep believing and we keep praying and we wonder why uh, it's never really made a difference in our lives. It's never really been real, you know? But we're afraid to let it go because if we let go of this concept, concept of God, then we fear we'll have nothing. And I would say to you, if we do not release our misconceptions of who God is, You'll have nothing. Because though we have all treasure and beauty and success and whatever, and don't have that authentic relationship with Jesus, we have nothing. Although we have none of those things, we have failure, we have ugliness, we have rejection, but have an authentic relationship with Christ, you have everything both in this life and the next. That's why we say the name of the series is Jesus is enough. But the authentic Jesus is enough. Our image, the idea that we have made him into will never be enough. It was never meant to be. And he's saying Get it right. I am the image. This is how I was raised to believe. You need to let it go. 
This is how I reconcile my behavior with God. You need to let it go. This is how I can be PC and biblical at the same time. You need to let it go. Jesus will not be what you want him to be so that you can be more comfortable. What do I mean by that? Jesus will not be a conservative right-wing Republican for you to make it easier for you to believe him. He will always love the people that you vilify or ignore, especially the poor or the train wrecks. And he will pardon people who come to him who make your skin crawl. Before you get all pompous, Jesus will not be a left-wing, radical, liberal Democrat for you to make you feel good. He will always focus more, care more about your sin than you hope he does. And he will never share, never share your live and let live philosophy. Because nobody out there, apart from Christ, is living and let living. They're dying and let dying. And he loves us too much to let that happen. Jesus won't be a Republican for you. Jesus won't be a Democrat for you. Jesus won't be uh, a capitalist for you. Jesus will not be, uh, you know, a Marxist for you. Jesus will just be Jesus. Jesus will not be an American for you. If you're an American before you're a Christian, you just got to know. You're lined up wrong. Do I believe this is the greatest country on earth? Yes. Am I grateful? Yes. But do I think God sees things in an America-centric way? Oh, no. Oh, no. The church in America is dying because it's easy for us to be Christians. The place where if you show up here, you might die. (laughs) Their parking lots aren't big enough, metaphorically speaking. No, I, I don't. He won't be an American for you. He won't be white for you. He won't be black for you. All nations, tribes, tongues. You know, for a long time, uh, the church... My, my daughter uh, was engaged to um, a Hispanic gentleman. They were already starting to get um, static from Christians. From Christians who say, um, the body of Christ is every nation, tribe, and tongue, but not in my family. Right? He won't be what you want him to be. He is who he is. And you either fall at his feet and you call him Lord. And you repent of the idea that we've made for him. He's not going to be a capitalist for you. He won't be an environmentalist for you. He is who he is. And it's our job to remove anything that keeps us from receiving that. Uh, You don't have a file to put him in. And if you did, he wouldn't fit and he'd refuse to go. But that's how we make God manageable, isn't it? Because an idea is easier to love than a person. And going back from the beginning of time, he says, know who I am. I have revealed it to you. In the beginning, he said, I, I revealed it through the stars and the skies, my creation. And what we do, we worship the stuff. It's like me loving Sheree's split pea soup so much that I want to take it on a date rather than the one who made it. 
That's what we do. And he says, so I, I came and I gave you the image you wanted. My son, Jesus Christ, is revealed in the scriptures. He doesn't really get it sometimes. No, he's going to be harsher on sin than you wish he would be. He's going to be more merciful than you ever imagined. And here's a great thing. Here's a great thing. Um, Even for us who has worshipped an idea of him rather than the real him, he loves us anyway. Authentically. He alone knows the unspoken thoughts of our hearts and, and all we've done, all we've considered, all we... And he loves you right now. Not some new or future improved version of you. You right now. Me right now. With all the junk and all the mess, he loves us right now. And he says, I am enough. I am enough. But only the authentic me is enough. Don't go after crazy ideas. Don't make me into your image. Don't remake me. Let me remake you. So here's what we're called to do. That all of us to one degree or another is going to come, stand before Jesus and go, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know that. But we can. We can. We can know and worship the authentic Christ. And in doing so, we will have the power to have authentic relationships with other people. Because he loves us as train wrecks. Who can we not love? Amen. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to repent of the golden calf. You know, I made Jesus this. Not because that's easier for me to love. No, he's bigger than my mercy. He's bigger than my love. He's bigger than my perfection. He's bigger than that. Lord, show me who you are. And I will believe and love and worship you as you are, not as I am tempted to make you. Because I don't don't remember who said it, but they were brilliant. I think it was Luther. That the heart is an idol factory. We just want to make everything into an idol. We want to make God as he is not. Okay? We want to make him less compassionate on the people we don't want to have compassion for. We want to make him easier on sin. He's look, 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 look how serious your sin is. Put me up there. But I did that joyfully because my love is even greater. Hmm. You got to live in that tension to love him rather than idea. So here's our homework. Uh, If you're in a relationship that you really care about, you need to make sure it's authentic. Be bold enough to gently sit down with this person and say, am I loving you as you are? Or am I loving an idea of you? And then you listen. You listen. And to the degree that we understand who we are and share that, receive that. Okay. And, and if you're married, then, then you press in and you repent of the idea. Okay. And you commit and you pray that God would love this person through you. Now, what do we do with God? Here's what we do. I'm not asking you to jettison everything you learned in Sunday school. I'm asking you to do this, that if you don't have a devotional time with God, that, that you just, just get up a little early, right? And, and take the gospel of John this week. And, and every morning, just pray very simply, God, show me, Jesus, who you really are. 
so that I can know and worship who you are and not something I want you to be. You will find he is far greater, far more powerful, and far more in love with you than you ever imagined. And maybe for the first time, you can worship the God who is rather than the one you'd rather make him. This is the time to do business with God, to let him search your heart and respond to him. It will always be easier to love an idea than a person. But if you will break through to the truth, that's where the life, that's where the freedom, that's where the joy, that's where the victory is. And that's what he wanted all along. The real Jesus accept no substitutes because they will never be enough. Pray, read John, and let it upset your life in beautiful, life-giving ways. Let's pray. Lord, um, some of us grew up with that unhealed, deep heart wound of not having been loved and accepted for who we are. Lord, you come as the one who does love us completely. And so, Lord, let us press into you for healing. Lord, some of us have, uh, we've, we've been disrespectful to people who don't believe the same as we are. We've been unloving to them. Um, Lord, you never call us uh, to do that. Um, Lord, that we would not be like the Colossians who pick and choose um, and put our own faith salad bar together. Lord, we want to know and worship you as you truly are, Jesus, as revealed in the scriptures, who was and is and is to come. Lord, your heart for us is so much more beautiful and loving than any other. Lord, um, for the Christian ways that we have tried to make you like us, to vote the way we vote, to think the way we think, to love the way we love, and always feel that we have God on our side. Lord, we want to be with you. Um, You won't fit in our box. Lord, help us repent of trying to put you in a file. For us to have all the beautiful things you want, we have to be in authentic relationship. And we don't know how to do that. So, we're authentically as best we can running to you. Lord, be more than enough for us. Change our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.